All right, what's up, everyone? This is Akashic Skies. I'm here with Daniel. Um, he is a mobilizer with Extinction Rebellion. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, yeah, that's a pretty good introduction. I, I'm a farmer in southwest Wisconsin. Um, I'm father of five children, live with my wife on the farm, and I've just been called to uh, join this movement. This is something really beautiful and exciting. Excellent. Yeah, this is my second one, and I must say it's gone really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it that, what is your job technically, or like as a mobilizer, what is it that you do? Well, my mandate, as they call it, is to start as many Extinction Rebellion chapters as possible, um, heading up towards... Uh, next April, when we're going to be occupying the capital, Washington, D.C. Okay, so everything's kind of leading up to that. Right. Um, and also, so, oh man, so I've got it. Um, uh, <laughs> got a little distracted. All right, so also, um, what is it? What's the message? Like, for those people that don't know what Extinction Rebellion is, uh, what is it? What is it? Where, where was it founded, and what is the intent? Uh, Extinction Rebellion is a movement that originated in the UK, and it sort of um, came out of the idea that uh, the strategies that we've been using to try and address climate change have not resulted in uh, the meaningful change that we've been hoping for. And that something more radical was called for. Um, a lot of people thought it was crazy to call movement Extinction Rebellion because you're not supposed to talk about extinction and um, you're not really supposed to talk about... You're not supposed to have the, the gall to say that you're a rebel or a revolutionary. And I think we're in kind of a shifting moment in the history of activism where we're allowing ourselves to be bold finally and we're allowing ourselves to step into the role that we're being called to and um, I think that a little bit of grandiosity is actually appropriate for this for this time I think people have had a hard time really incorporating um the grandness of this moment of history for better or worse. I mean, it's terrifying, but it's also terrifying, uh, what we're being called to and we're being called to be our greatest selves. You know, we're being called to really, uh, employ our gifts and to really recognize ourselves as extremely powerful beautiful, capable, adventuresome beings. And I think that's really our truer nature, and it always has been. Um, But we've been looking away from the crisis that we're in and the scale of the crisis that we're in, partly because we would have to come to terms with our own uh, badassery. I think, for want of a better term. Right. 
Uh, yeah, and empowerment seems to be a big theme right now, just like in the spiritual world and every world, just recognizing our divinity and our power and mm-hmm. standing up together for earth, for the earth. Like, what what better cause? Right, you know? exactly. And uh, yeah, it was awesome to see all these beautiful people show up at the park and here. I was surprised to see so many people. Me too. I was really surprised and pleased. I think lacrosse is really popping. It seems mm-hmm. like there's a lot of interest in in this movement and uh a lot of people who are just like a full yes who don't mm-hmm. don't really need much persuasion it seems like yeah i agree um i'm excited for the things coming up for the events uh what's the term the more appropriate term for action action so there's right. going to be action that occurs um well i think we're we're also yeah we're at a moment where we're kind of moving away from the term protester uh-huh. um and protest and moving more towards terms like protector and action, mm-hmm. which like you're saying, uh, is a more empowered term. Yeah. You know, I think when we think of protest, a lot of people feel kind of cynical about protesting. And I was for many years. I mean, I was, I was resistant to being an activist for a long time because I thought it was kind of a fool's game. You know, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Like hold some signs and, do some chants and stand outside the building and then go home. Mm-hmm. And what do you really think you're accomplishing? Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, that kind of action, well, that kind of protest, um, that kind of model is really kind of playing into the power structures mm-hmm. that we're trying to defeat or overcome because it gives people an outlet for their, their rage and their desire for change that really fits into the system. You know, there's a place for that in the system. And Mm -hmm. um, I have some background in community rights and in the community rights movement, what they, what they call that is the box of allowable action. Mm -hmm. And um, I I remember going to a protest for when Scott Walker was visiting a, a local creamery in my town and we were standing across the road because we weren't allowed near the creamery where Scott Walker was. And the sheriff just kept saying, okay, move a little bit farther down. Right. Just keep going down. And we kept listening to him and we would, cause we're polite, we're polite Midwesterners. Yeah. We don't really want to create a fuss. We're just trying to have our voices heard. But it was very funny cause we wound up just like, you know, several hundred yards away from right. the place. Yeah. So it's like, as long as you're, cooperating with the authorities that's not an authentic form of resistance exactly that's what i was thinking kind of like if you are following all the rules and you're allowing the status quo to kind of play out um that's the point of the action is to kind of resist the powers in place and try to make an actual change yeah Yeah. and in some ways it almost plays into the hand of the people you're protesting because, you know, they love to say like, hey, this is a democracy. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like you can have free speech. Look at these people. They're, right. they're expressing themselves. Yeah. They're doing a great job. So they're, it's kind of like helping to disguise yeah. the oppression that's going on. Never thought of it that way. Um, so it's almost like a performative act that is, um, you know, it fulfills several roles. And one way I've also talked about it is that um, activists in past decades have engaged in a kind of ritualized failure. 
mm-hmm. that's you know failing is how we perceive of activism like we're gonna go we're gonna lock down and then we're gonna get arrested and um we're gonna fail righteously mm-hmm. and it's not gonna change but like i did it you know yeah. I, I went there and um i pushed back and they arrested me um, right and i mean arrest plays into extinction rebellion strategy for sure mm-hmm. i mean uh we're sort of emulating the the fill the jails uh, strategy of uh, Gandhi and Martin Luther King, but it's for a purpose, okay. right? It's a mm-hmm. it's a strategy that is um, meant to accomplish something that's very concrete. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and then, how? What would you to further ex- explain what that concrete strategy is? Just a little bit more. Well, we're. Basically, in a nutshell, what we're trying to do is break through the trap that we've been put in politically, mm-hmm. because we all live in this story that we inhabit a democracy that has democratic processes, but it's almost like common knowledge that that's not really the case, mm-hmm. right? It's actually the wealthy, the extremely wealthy, and people who are in positions of political power, who are aligned with those uh, people of wealth that are making the real decisions in our society. So what our action is directed towards and what it's targeting is, um, that sort of showcase of democracy or that like, you know, what Jane Ann Morris called the democracy theme park, democracy amusement park. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to re democratize the system with and it's really kind of a gamble you know that democracy is going to be able to address the problems that we're in and so um the form that we're aiming for is the citizens assembly mm-hmm. which would be a body of actual citizens selected at random uh representation of our um population that would actually be deliberating in order to solve problems Mm -hmm. in the great tradition of believing that regular American people are actually decent problem solvers Mm -hmm. um, and have an interest in saving their own asses and can get together and figure out the massive changes that we need in our society if we want to survive. Mm -hmm. And would that exist within people within the chapters? It would be selected somehow or no no i mean it's more just the whole population it's not coming out of extinction rebellion although we are using sort the sortition process that same thing within extinction rebellion Mm -hmm. to govern our own self yeah within the organization so that's a good question but no i mean you know i think a big problem with revolutionary movements of the past is that they put themselves in charge the day after Mm-hmm. Right, like they're they're seeking to replace the power, yeah, and that always winds up getting corrupted, yeah. And um, one movement that I really have always admired, and I think Extinction Rebellion has a lot in common with, is the Zapatista movement from Chiapas, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And the Zapatistas, their position was: we're not seeking political power; we are trying to grow cultural power because a real uh, just politics always 
is founded upon a robust cultural power. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, and, and that's, that kind of goes back to the idea of the regenerative culture and things like that. Like, we need to have a democratic culture if we're going to have a democratic politics. Mm -hmm. And that involves just basically caring about each other. You know, yeah. like what Cornell West said, that justice is just love in public, you know, public love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, care institutionalized, I guess. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think I don't remember your question, but. Yeah. Um, what was it? It was basically, um, oh, yeah. How would people be elected for, and stuff like that? Yeah, right. That, that pretty much covered it. And it's just creating a culture, a lifestyle, basically, a mm -hmm. way of life that en encompasses just the kind of the the collective good, you know, the good for the world, the good for all the, the most people, like utility possible. Yeah. It sounds like. Something else that Zapatista said is we're not trying to tell anybody what to do. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a thousand different ways that justice can be embodied. Mm -hmm. So we're not trying to impose this like the you know Bolsheviks, for example, mm -hmm. you know, came to power and they said, this is the way it is. And yeah. if you don't like it, then, well, we're going to shoot you or, you know, we'll figure out how to get you to do it the way we want you to do it. And there's one right way to do it. And that kind of um, is typical of the really kind of top down hierarchical um, approach that's been so destructive in the mm -hmm. 20th century. I mean, people are really suspicious of revolutionary politics and for good reason, because a lot of terrible violence has mm -hmm. happened as a result of it. But here we are at the end of history. Um, and the choices are revolution or death. Mm -hmm. So it's a moment when we're having to, reckon with the uh, historical tradition of revolution and it's kind of slamming us in the face you know it's like I know we all don't like this I know we all like to make fun of it I know we all think we're better than this but we think we're beyond this and you know this is something that happened in the past but really the you know the revolutionary foundation of any fair society, I don't think it really goes away, you know, because power always consolidates power. And it's almost like political systems have an expiration date. It's like they maybe exist for a while in, in this young, robust, fair way. But after a while, corruption starts to seep in and it starts to get a little rusty around the hinges. And mm -hmm. Before you know it, the political system is no longer serving the needs of the people. It's serving its own needs okay. or the needs of the powerful. What are some safeguards you think that could be put in place to prevent that from happening? Like to make this not end up being that? Well, the first one is just what we're talking about, that, you know, Extinction Rebellion is not meant to be the answer. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a very specific tool that's meant to be used and then composted. Mm -hmm. Right? Like if we're not trying to gain power, we're trying to give power mm -hmm. to the people. Mm -hmm. um, Recognize the power that's already there. Right. In all of us. Okay. And then another safeguard against that is um, the decentralized movement, mm -hmm. which is um, something that's kind of been in development for a while and a real... Uh, scientific way 
but of course it goes way back, you know, mm-hmm. like it goes back to anarchist traditions and things like that. And the real question with that is that, you know, the hierarchical structure with, you know, few at the top and people following instructions from the few who make those decisions, it's really good at getting shit done. Mm-hmm. That's why we as activists have such a hard time beating corporations because they have hierarchical structure and they have money yeah. and they just pay people to do what they want them to do. So mm-hmm. it doesn't lead to just solutions because it's got this problem that we're talking about where the people at the top are serving the people at the top mm-hmm. and privilege, the privilege of being at the top, um, that creates corruption. You know, I, I heard, I heard this one study that was saying that, you know, if you, create a situation socially where one person has more power, you know, even if you're just playing a game and you're saying, okay, we're going to give this person a hundred monopoly dollars and you one monopoly dollar and like work the situation out. Mm -hmm. People have less, uh, capacity for empathy and caring when they're in a position of privilege. It's not really that they're bad people, but that being in that role makes them act badly Mm -hmm. and it makes sense too and and you see this everywhere that like the most generous people you meet are poor people Mm -hmm. why is that yeah and what the the reason that this study is saying is that um when you have power you feel like you don't need people Mm. yeah so you're like i don't i don't need you why do i need to like i don't care what you think about me Mm -hmm. i'm gonna so people are more likely to cheat and steal when they have a lot yeah, which is really weird. So I mean, this is the problem with our hierarchical societies that like the ones on the top, the super wealthy people who are in positions of privilege politically, mm-hmm. they don't care. And it gets maniacal and psychotic. Yeah, you know. So I guess so that's saying that the people at the top like it's almost it's it's a given that that's how it's going to be with people. So like there, you're not saying that eventually we'll kind of all be like have equal amount of resources, equal amount of power. It's the goal is to level out the playing field so you don't have that as much. But will those will there will still be superpowers in the future that you're looking in our vision? I mean, in your vision, yeah. Right. I think the problem with leveling the playing field is it requires a leveler. Yeah, you know what I mean. And Which, who has that power? Yeah. Right. So you're you're kind of just like outsourcing that power. Mm-hmm. But um, the decentralized movement, which, like I'm saying, I mean, has been evolving and like trouble, mm. they're troubleshooting, they've been engineering this system. Yeah. When I say they, I just mean like people involved in the activist world have been working on this and failing and failing and failing. It's a very like, um, uh, like Samuel Beckett, the playwright said, like you fail and you fail again and you fail again and you mm-hmm. fail better. Mm-hmm. So that's like the engineer's standpoint too, of like, where is the system failing? But the decentralized model, it's like, how do we build a structure that's non-hierarchical, mm-hmm. but that can also get shit done? Yeah. Because I mean, it's very easy to say like, no hierarchy. That was yeah. kind of the spirit of the sixties and the hippies, right? Yeah. They're like, we're going to smash hierarchy and we're just going to be, and we're just going to be free. No structure. Mm-hmm. Freedom equals no structure. And what happens when you do that? is that the structure and the hierarchy reemerges, mm-hmm. but it's invisible. Oh yeah. Right. Because there's always structure. You can't eliminate structure because humans are naturally 
social and they build social structures. Exactly. So yeah. you say we're smashing all hierarchy and structure. And before you know it, the most powerful charismatic person is ruling everything. Right. Yeah. But when you try and address it, they say, what are you talking about? And we have no structure here. Right. Doesn't uh, everyone agree with me that we don't have any structure? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, of course we do. <laughs> you get cults. <laughs> right. So exactly. So uh, we've failed many times in that way. But what mm-hmm. people, the engineers have been saying is like, okay, that doesn't work to have no structure. How do we build a very intentional structure yeah. that's also non-hierarchical? And what it is, is biomimicry, right? We're modeling ourselves after ecosystems. Mm -hmm. Ecosystems are very intricate networks of relationships Mm -hmm. that serve a greater function at the same time that they're serving the function of each of the organisms within it. So um, that's kind of what we're aiming for, and it's been very intentionally built. The um, they call it an extinction rebellion. The uh, SOS self operating system. I should, oh, cool. I should know what it is called, but I mean, it's like circles within circles and there's checks and balances mm-hmm. and there's a lot of very intentional process that's designed to prevent the breakdown of the system. What they okay. call, what they call in decentralized organizing when the system gets cancer mm-hmm. and it can't, it can no longer fix itself. It gets unhealthy and then there's really nothing you can do. It's dead. Even though it still exists as a system, everyone knows it's corrupt. And that happens really easily. You see it over and over and over again in decentralized organizing. But um, I think, I hope they're onto something, you know? Yeah, the cure for the cancer, you know? Right. <laughs> and just a resilient organism that yeah. has that regenerative ability. Yeah. Yeah, and we do it every day. Every day we wake up, every day we survive. Right. So it's like just. Um, so another question, uh, will the revolution be televised? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I grapple with that myself cause I was a firm no for a long time, mm-hmm. but, um, I'm starting to develop a more com- complex relationship with the television, I guess, mm-hmm. metaphorically speaking. I mean, we are so interconnected electronically um, and it's absorbing more and more of our world and you can see so many negative consequences come out of that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I feel like the yin inside that yang is, um, the interconnection is almost like, like what, what the Buddhists were talking about of like Indira's net mm-hmm. of like everything mm-hmm. being connected. It's like, we're becoming more and more like memes can take over the whole world in a day, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And it's like, that can be really unhealthy and like kind of monopolistic and like monoculture. And like, yeah. I really don't like aspects of it, but at the same time, it provides this like amazing opportunity for power of like, yeah. we need to change everything right now if we're going to survive. So maybe this, this uh, network, this electronic giant buzzing electron that we're all being sucked into, mm-hmm. maybe it's here for a purpose. Yeah. And I kind of, that's kind of the intuition I got recently. I mean, getting back into the world of the electron through Extinction Rebellion, I almost had an intuition that it's like this thing that I've been resisting and kind of hating for so long. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just like going to do something really beautiful and wink at me and then disappear forever. Mm -hmm. You know, just vanish and be like, I know you hated me, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to like help you 
transform the world and then I'll be gone. Yeah. You know? And it's almost like, yeah, maybe this is the time when the gates are all open. Yeah. We have access to all knowledge of past history and every culture in the oh, world yeah. mm-hmm. and everything's like melding and morphing and everything. And then maybe the gates will be shut and it's like, you know, you had the yeah, time so to, much opportunity blank slate. Yeah. To interbreed yeah. all of these cultures and ideas yeah. and now go back and it's almost like an in breath, out breath kind of thing of like, now you've been inoculated with everything from history and across the world. Mm-hmm. Now go and create the diversity of culture that, that was, that, that allowed for, you know, the evolution of diversity. Mm-hmm. Cause right now we're moving more and more towards, um, like monoculture monotony. Yeah. And, but that's just like the way of the universe, right? It's like yeah. the one and the many, the plural and the one. So separate and then go back into one. It's like, the earth is expanding, but then when it like, when it maybe recollapses onto itself back mm-hmm. into oneness, that's what I was thinking about the internet. It kind of reminded me of like maybe how early people viewed the spirit world. It's like, it just kind of existed within our lifetime. And then we weren't taught how to be shamans to navigate it. We weren't taught like etiquette of like how to navigate this digital invisible world that that like you said holds all of the information from the past present future stuff like that and has all these algorithms and um we're just kind of aimlessly on it and just like in the spirit world there's good and bad spirits there's high vibration low vibration and as you as you go ascend into that world you have to be prepared you have to be trained uh hopefully by people that have done it before you whereas like in the internet it's just the wild west in the beginning like a lot of people just didn't even know about it in the first place. And so as kids, we're just on it looking at the most random stuff when there's an abundance of really good information and really good stuff. But our nature just kind of gravitates us towards, yeah, we just have these memes. I know about advertisements just from a meme. When someone's talking about an ad, I didn't even know it was associated. So it's like right. you're getting bombarded from a young age and not even knowing what's... What is it, Riley's Auto Parts? Yeah, yeah, we all knew the O'Reilly's Auto Parts because, yeah, the radio, just the interconnectedness. And um, when you have large actors, like large corporations on there, they have so much pull. Mm-hmm. And um, just like any large entity would have in this invisible world that can, like you said, it's a network, it's a web that connects us all. And as we become more integrated with technology, like our phones, mm-hmm. we basically become interconnected with each other. But also the corporations, we're interconnected like with strong webs, straight yeah. to entities that aren't even actually human. And um, so that's like, we're really susceptible and that's where um, I even took a media literacy course in college, and it was one course. Whereas, like, hopefully, kids nowadays are are getting that kind of like a spiritual guide of how to like navigate the internet and not let it basically navigate you and control you. Yeah, you know, use it as a tool. But there's so much just YouTube and blind consumption. Yeah. Um, a lot of spiritual teachers and stuff I'm following now is basically talking about create like 80% and only consume, you know, 20% and have that stuff you're consuming be something that's teaching you or helping you grow hmm. instead of mindlessly scrolling of people's like, you know, like the way that they're projecting their best life and all these people that kind of make you can make you 
just overanalyze yourself and compare and you know try to try to use it for the good mm-hmm. but it's hard it's hard i've i've definitely become a product myself even even knowing like having the media literacy and and having it since a young age the internet has there's deep programming I'm working on trying to like deprogram and change and not resort back to because I also like deactivated social media and stuff and now it's like with this movement I'm I'm getting more inclined to start them like back up to be connected and then it's like that fine line someone says hey look at this and the next thing I'm like I'm looking at like cars drifting or like oh yeah I'm looking at and I don't even know what I went on there to look at this like positive movement um and that's where some of these platforms maybe should help people like align with things that are more fulfilling than Mm. just distracting you yeah because because what they want is our attention they want us to be on there as long as possible and they want to throw us off keep us distracted so that we're just we're going over all these ads and that's how they build the revenue it's like these companies it's like the more time you spend on the ads and the more ads you cover the more money these platforms get from companies so it's like how do we create a direct access to our activist page or the spiritual teacher we want to listen to instead of like getting lost in the mix that's that's another thing is maybe creating a platform that's more devoted to that yeah distraction i'm really interested in the technology that is geared towards destroying the technology Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know the self-composting uh technology is really the only ones i'm interested in because ultimately i think our freedom lies in abstention or abolish abolishing Mm -hmm. electronic technology Mm -hmm. but like uh Emerson said, sometimes the only thing that can kill the giant is the giant itself. Yeah. And you have to trick the giant into punching itself in its own head. Yeah. (laughs) Because we're too small to be able to, like, do anything to the giant. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I think a big negative consequence of, like, people living mostly in the electronic world is that um, it results in apathy towards the natural world. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, why do I care about trees and shit because like right this is my life yeah and you see people just walking around like not in the physical real world Mm -hmm. you know that i think the transhumanists are kind of like you know the biological world is obsolete Mm -hmm. and who cares if climate if you know mass extinction results in mass death of the biological form that's just the old form that we're shedding so that we can go to be the new thing of totally electronic Mm -hmm. and to me i can't really put my finger on why that's evil because i mean it's valid i guess i mean let's not be sentimental about forms but for me i i think it's hubris ultimately that we can create something more beautiful than what god already created Uh and i just don't think that like biological humans in the biological world i don't think that game has played itself out yet Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more beauty and a lot more fun to yeah. be had in this realm of like physical bodies and yeah. cats and trees and stuff, you know, like we haven't even scratched the surface of how cool that could be. Exactly. And I think that's, that's what we will lose is form and then emotion potentially. Um, and that's the interesting thing right now, the ascension onto the different dimensions and things like that. And does that ascension include 
being, you know, in the technological field of just consciousness. But when I think of like artificial intelligence, I think of programs. I don't think of like this ethereal like form and entities that have these like kind of deeper meanings. And I don't know what it is, like you said, that seems evil, inherently evil about moving into technology or a substrate, like uh, being in a hard drive and being in a simulation. Mm -hmm. Something about it seems uh, like, you know, you're an automaton at that point. Free will isn't really necessarily, it's like, it's the most logical programming. Like you don't, you don't make as many mistakes if you're just an algorithm that kind of can calculate almost probably recalculate the whole like multiverse eventually as it like compounds. So it's, um, but the universe does seem to just want to perceive itself and what more efficient way to create a ton of artificial layers of intelligence that can just crunch numbers. But then it wouldn't have, like you said, fulfilled the human experience Mm-hmm. quite yet so i think um yeah i think i think our time we're gonna live out longer and probably go to other planets and stuff and try to sustain this one as long as possible as well but yeah it's 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 interesting to see this integration into technology because the technology is kind of part of what will have to help save us you know in a way but Maybe I'm curious what Gandhi would say about right. it. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm a big admirer of him, and I think he was really into renunciation. Uh-huh. You know, I mean his his motto was renounce and rejoice, and that's kind of how I feel too. Is like, do we really need this shit? Right. Like, what do yeah. we need to? What is happiness? You know, I think we are kind of on this like journey of self discovery where we're getting really lost. Mm-hmm. Like we're really lost right now and we don't even know what home would look like Yeah, because we left home, but like you can't go home again. Right. Like everyone's like, you can't turn back the clock. Come on. Cause I mean, my vision for a beautiful, just future would be very simple technology. Are we out of time? Um, sometimes like, yeah, actually I just have to start the camera again. That's okay. I mean, we can leave it there too. It's getting kind of let's late. Just, we yeah, can keep going for hours. Let's you know? just do. <laughs> let's just like do. Uh, I think we had four minutes of. Well, that we're probably on that guy after a beat. That's what I like to run to. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, we can just kind oh, of finish the last thought. Yeah, it's nice to have two angles, and then sometimes like that one, I'll only do thirty minutes straight mm-hmm. or something with like some sort of thing, and then it's nice to have a few things just in case. <laughs> I think for me, the most, like the, the most important point is like, I really feel like humanity is being guided towards a lesson here Mm -hmm. and you can come at it from a bunch of different angles, like economics or agriculture or, you know, climate change, um, or just kind of like human culture and entertainment. And for me, it's, it's like, it's all so obvious. I don't know. And it seems like it's ideology and, um, story that are deluding people or like blinding people from seeing what's right in front of our eyes. That like happiness is right here to be had in very simple things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We don't need more and more technology and more like to satisfy us and like faster modes of consumerism. Yeah. And it's like, you know, what climate change is to bring it back to XR and everything. It's like, 
the climate problem is actually a climate solution. Like it's the solution to so many other problems, but people just don't want to see it. And for me, it's that, that's what it is. Is like a very, and it's we don't really have terms for it, but I mean a technology that's low impact mm-hmm. that could be very sophisticated, mm-hmm. but like non electronic, non fossil fuel technology. Yeah, and also using our bodies and our human labor. Mm-hmm. Not in a way of drudgery and like working 16 hour days, but you know, like uh, Peter Kropotkin, the famous Russian anarchist, he had it down like 120 years ago. He had it figured out mm-hmm. in uh, the conquest of bread. He's talking about it. Like, you know, if we had a society where we were prioritizing justice and really just trying to produce what's essential for our needs mm-hmm. and make sure that everyone's well taken care of. People would only have to work five or six hours a day, five days a week, you know, so and do sit about it. <laughs> Most of us would be involved in making food, you know, yeah. like growing food, raising food, processing food. And it's like, that's not so bad. No. We'd be healthy, happy, robust people. Exactly. And people are afraid of that. They're like, you can't turn back the clock. And yeah. Like, well, no, you can't, but you do put one foot forward and one foot goes yep. back, you know? Yeah. Like history is a spiral. It's not just like, yeah, it's not linear. And, um, I, I, our dopamine, our demand for, like you said, stimulus, entertainment, fast access. It's like, that's the change that I think a lot of people is resisting. Like I want more and more. And, and the anticipation that there's going to be a new phone out or a new this or that. And it's like, people don't want to give that up. Like you said, the entertainment and that's, that's wild. There's so much more fulfilling entertainment that is yeah. like slow and like passionate and emotional and shows connection and love, you know? And I think that brings us back to like the beginning of our conversation where I was saying, I think people are afraid of how awesome they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. It's like, we're not that small. We're not just like consumers. Mm-hmm. People are resistant to the idea that we're something far more beautiful yeah and I think that's what a lot of consumerism is is removing you from that so you have to get it externally making you think you're small and helpless and you need this thing so yeah all you people out there you are all beautiful divine brilliant beings there is love all around you happiness is it's inside of you Um, try your best to find it thank you for you know coming on here and speaking and thanks for spreading your message to the world i appreciate it yeah thank you it's awesome yeah it's it's appreciate you this is really just it's a message of love and connection and um however you want to put it just the greater good for all beings everywhere like that's what this is like there's not much you can do to like deny that like if you want to if you want to help out your neighbor in the earth that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if, uh, what's any way that you said people can help by doing your thing, but ultimately, like you said, it's the congregating, gathering together and decentralizing that um, needs to happen. So I'll make sure that there's a link somewhere around here. If uh, you would like to uh, join, contribute, add in any way possible. You can find us on the electronic world. Yeah. XRamerica.org. But really, like, you know, it's in the air, you know? Yeah. Talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors, say, hey, 
what, what the fuck are we going to do? Right. You know, like what, let's get real here. Like, we're not going to go down like this. Exactly. <laughs> let's do something beautiful. Or if we are going to go down, let's do something beautiful. Let's go down beautifully. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, what, it, what do you want to reflect on, you know, 10, 20 years from now, like to stand for something amazing, you know, or to kind of just go through the, the daily grind, you know, let it all kind of go by and run its course, be active, you know? So health, happiness, and abundance. Thank you all for watching. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Good job. <laughs>